progress, growth, change, maturity. These words might fill us with energy, or they might fill us with cynicism. Is progress in our spiritual lives even possible? And if so, how do we measure it? How can we see and celebrate growth in ourselves? How can we pursue progress in a way that really lasts? Maybe it's time to look at these ideas through new eyes. Eyes that see both our innate belovedness and the possibilities in our becoming. Maybe it's time to see some progress. everybody today. So we are talking about progress and I think that is absolutely an amazing and inspiring topic for us to be addressing. Uh, Benjamin started this topic for us with this wonderful definition that I think we're going to put up here on the screen. Progress is the measurable growth that occurs as we become our truest selves in Jesus. And I think that is such a beautiful definition because what he talked about was that progress is not some forced conformity to some outside standard. It is a natural becoming of who God has already made us to be. And doesn't that take a lot of the pressure off, a lot of the stress out of progress? And I loved that about hearing him talk about that. And then the next week, Brett talked about the coil the coil is progress, and if you guys haven't had a chance to listen to any of these messages, I would really recommend that you go to the podcast, download them, because they've all been just really amazing. But Brett talked about the coil and how you know a coil wraps like this, and it goes upward. And so even though there are times in life when we feel like, I am facing the same thing I have faced before, oh my goodness, how many times do I have to learn this lesson? The reality is, as we move in Christ, we are always spiraling upward in a coil. And then last week, Melody talked about the cave, which was also really beautiful because even when we are making progress, we all have moments where we wind up in a place that's just dark. It's dark, that might feel helpless, that might feel alone. And she talked about what progress looks like when we find ourselves in those dark places, because they're gonna come, they're gonna come. And that progress in those places sometimes just looks like accepting that and worshiping and looking to God and doing the next right thing. And so today, our metaphor is the clay. We are gonna talk about how we are the clay and God is the potter. But before we get to that, I wanna talk about one of my favorite things about this church, which is that we embrace our inner nerdiness. Yes, yes, yes we do. See, I got an amen from an elder immediately. See, this is amazing. So my husband, Brett, he often uh, brings his superhero comic book nerdiness to the forefront. He's done that many times. Um, our two pastors, Melody and Benjamin, are often hitting us with the fantasy nerdiness. Have you noticed the C.S. Lewis, 
the Lord of the Rings, you know, all of these things. I think we have a former pastor who maybe wrote some fantasy books, you know, so we have like a lot of that kind of nerdiness going on. I have heard Jordan talk about the foodie nerdiness from the stage. Okay, so we've had lots of nerdiness, but I have never seen in a message someone embrace the musical theater nerdiness. So we are embracing that today. So I think we have a little uh, clip here. My friends, when I was in high school, this is what I spent my Saturday nights doing. Not at football games, not going out on dates, certainly not that, I was much too tall for all of the men. I spent it at home or at a friend's house watching musicals. Musicals and doing musical theater. In fact, for uh, my final project in American history as a junior, we could pick any topic in American history. And my best friend and I did the history of musical theater. Yes, we did. And we made a video very much like the one you just saw that traced the roots of musical theater and how it related to the culture and how it progressed through time, and we got an A. Yes, we did. Yes, we did. So as I was thinking about this, uh, this topic and about how a lot of times to make progress we feel like we have to try really hard, this song kept going through my head. I'm even going to sing you a tiny bit of it. It goes, nothing is impossible if you try. Okay, so I know this song came from a musical. I spent two hours on YouTube trying to figure out which musical it came from and what song. YouTube, Google, all the things. Nothing is impossible if you try. It did not come up. So I still don't know what musical it was from. If you want to help me out, you know, yes, challenge. Shane is accepting my challenge. You can try to find Nothing is Impossible if You Try and what musical it's from. But I know it's from a musical because I walked down the halls of my high school singing it. So I know it exists. But this song was part of, you know, my inner life. And a lot of times if I was having a hard time with something, this song would pop into my head. Nothing is impossible if you try. You know, doesn't that just sound happy? And I would just go along and it would make me feel like, man, I can do this. I can do this if I try really hard. So, and I don't think it's just this song. I think this idea of you can do anything if you try is very ingrained in our American consciousness, right? We admire the self-made man, the people who pull themselves up by their own bootstraps. The American dream is, you know, go make your life, do the thing, own your own home, start your own business. With good old American effort and ingenuity, you can do anything you want to do. Do you agree that that's kind of part of our culture? And I think not only is it part of our American culture, I think oftentimes it is part of our American church culture. This idea of, you know, if you just work hard enough, if you just give enough effort, if you just give it the old college try enough times, you'll make progress, right? Just work hard, do the thing, obey, be good. There's this phrase, uh, God helps those who help themselves. It's what I call a fake Bible verse. A lot of people think it's in the Bible, but it's actually not. But people who don't even know the Bible know that and think it's in the Bible. God helps those who help themselves, which kind of says, you work really hard first, and then God will help you. God helping you, you working is a prerequisite to God helping you. 
not in the Bible. So this idea of trying really hard brings us to the clay we started out with. So I think we have a picture of our key verse. This lovely image of a potter's hands with the clay. It's going to come up in a minute. Until it does, I will tell you what it says. It says, but now, O Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay, and you are potter. We are all the work of your hands. Okay, now this up there, I'm going to read it again. But now, O Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay, and you are potter. We are all the work of your hands. So, <clears throat> as we think about that, and we think about, I am the clay, and God is the potter, that kind of sounds like God is going to make me who I'm going to be, right? That God is the one who's going to do the work to mold me into who he wants me to be, who he is even already created me to be. But what does the rest of scripture teach about what my part is? Because we also know we can't just say, well, I'm the clay, great. I'm just gonna go home and lay in my bed and be clay. I'll just go lay there and then God's gonna do his part and I will magically become this wonderful thing. So what does scripture teach about what's my part and what is God's part? So to talk about that, I wanna go to Deuteronomy. In the Old Testament, there was admittedly a lot of trying and a lot of doing. We have whole books of scripture, like the book of Deuteronomy, the book of Leviticus, where God gave bunches of very specific instructions, laws that he wanted his people to keep, because he was creating a physical kingdom here on earth, right? His people were creating a society, and there were all these laws and rules that they were supposed to follow. And one of the things that he gave them some, some very specific instructions about was teaching their children and learning scripture. So we are going to read Deuteronomy chapter 11, verses 18 to 20. And it says, Fix these words of mine in your heart and minds. Tie them as reminders on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Teach them to your children, speaking about them when you sit at home, and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up, write them on the doorposts of your houses and on your gates. So these are very specific instructions about teaching your children God's scripture, when to teach them, how to teach them. And the Jews took this very literally. They would actually write scripture on their doorposts in their homes. They would take scriptures and write them really small and bind them on their wrists so that they could take them out and study them and memorize them. So this represented very specific things that they did and obeyed. So now we're going to contrast that to Hebrews chapter 8, verses 9 and 10. God says there, It will not be like the covenant I made with their fathers when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt, because they did not abide by my covenant, and I disregarded them, declares the Lord. For this is the covenant, and he's talking about the new covenant now, the New Testament that we live under in Christ. For this is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. 
I will put my laws in their minds and inscribe them on their hearts. And I will be their God and they will be my people. So he gave these very specific instructions about what they were supposed to do to teach and learn in the Old Testament. But he says, in the New Testament, I am going to write the words on their hearts. I am going to do it for them. So I have some more really, really good news for you guys this morning. This is not the only thing God says he's going to do for us. I have a list of nine other things, and there are more, but nine things that I'm going to read that God says in Scripture, and I'm going to read Scripture for every one, that he is going to do. Now, you can either read along on the screen as they come up, or I would like to invite you to just close your eyes and kind of let these nine things that God has promised that he will do for you just kind of wash over you. Okay? Here are some things he says he's going to do. Number one, fight for us. Exodus 14, 14. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Number two, give us words. John 14, 26. But the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said to you. Number three, give us wisdom. James 1, 5. Now, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives to everyone generously. Number four, protect us and our families. 1 John 5, 18. The one who was born of God keeps them safe, and the evil one cannot harm them. Number five, show us our path, light the way. Psalm 1611, you will show me the path of life. Number six, strengthen us. He will strengthen us. Psalm 84.7, they go from strength to strength. Every one of them appears before God in Zion. Number seven, he keeps us in peace. Isaiah 26.3, you will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you. Number eight, give us joy. 1 Thessalonians 1.6, the joy given by the Holy Spirit. Number nine, he makes us righteous, pure, and forgiven. Romans 1.17, this good news tells us how God makes us right in his sight. Romans 6.23, the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ. All of these are things that God says he is going to do for us. He is going to do the work, which brings us again to our key verse. But now, O oh Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay, and you are potter. We are all the work of your hand. So guys, this is really, really good news. The good news for you today in this progress series is that making progress in your spiritual life is not your job. It's not your job. God is going to do it. 
God has promised to do all of these things. He has mapped your path. He knows you. He knows the next step. And his spirit in you will empower you to take it. Your job is just to be the clay. So this brings back up our question. So then what is my part? If the spiritual progress is God's part and he's going to empower me to do it, what am I going to do? if I'm not just going to go back and lay in bed and wait for it to happen. Now, this is kind of a big thing for me to say. I will admit it. It's kind of a big summary of Scripture. But I believe that when you summarize all of Scripture and the New Testament, in the New Covenant, there are two things that are our part. Two, only two. First one, is to live our life, this is gonna come up on the screen, to live our life. We are human beings, we have to eat, we have to have jobs, we have to work, we have to raise our children, be parts of our community. And there are lots of wisdom scriptures that can help us know how to do these things wisely. To live our life in wisdom, trusting God and choosing to follow him. So that's point one. And that is a lot, you know, we could spend a lot of time talking about the elements of that, but it's also simple, right? To live our life wisely, trusting and choosing to follow Jesus. And number two, stop trying. Start allowing. Because that song that musical theater put in my head, Nothing is Impossible If You Try, it turns out that song is not true. There are a whole lot of things, as I've gotten older, there are a whole lot of things that I cannot do by trying. A whole lot of things. Controlling my teenagers being one of them. There are a lot of things that happen in life that we do not want. There are a lot of things we want to do that don't work out. We've been talking about spiritual progress. Anyone been working on something like patience for like 20 years and don't seem to be making any progress. Trying does not work. What we need to do is allow. Now this phrase, stop trying, start allowing, I cannot take credit for this phrase. This little phrase is actually Brett's dad. It's one of his favorite phrases. And he first said this phrase to me about 10 years ago. I was in a Bible study with him and he said, y'all, this is just the key to almost all spiritual growth in life. Stop trying, start allowing. And I thought, that sounds really true. And then I went home and I thought, I have no idea how to do that. And I didn't. It took me years to figure out in any way, because I, I, I couldn't find anyone to help me or explain it to me very much either. So what I've done this morning is identified some ways, at least for me, this is not all inclusive, you're going to find your own ways, your own experiences, but my own sort of list of what trying looks and feels like in my own heart and mind and what allowing looks like and feels like in my own heart and mind. And not just mine, but other people that I've talked to and worked through this with over the past five years. So, okay. Um, I've also been told that Oh, it looks really good. 
at one point they said that um, the screen was like cutting off some of my phrases, so I wasn't sure if it was going to be complete. But um, anyway, so we're just going to go through these relatively quickly. I invite you to take a picture of this chart if it looks helpful to you or make some notes. Um, because as I have been preparing this lesson and I have been looking at this chart every day, it has been like really helping me to stay on the allowing side. So to me, first, trying feels like mustering the energy and work from myself. Like, you know that where you're like trying to wrench up the energy or the, the strength to do something from like your own middle? That's what trying feels like. Allowing feels like being powered by God's spirit. It feels like, oh, okay, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna let God do this. Number two, trying feels like striving or pushing. Like, okay, here we go. We're gonna do this now. Like that kind of stance. Allowing feels like letting things be what they are. I don't have to push this today. It's gonna be what it is. And if it needs to change, if I need to do something, God will show me. Trying feels like being worried about the future. Those spinning thoughts, like what's gonna happen? Is this gonna be okay? Allowing feels like staying in the present. I can just be here and be in what is right now. Trying feels like earning good things. Like, I don't, am I the only one that sometimes feels like I don't, I don't even really deserve to like have a moment of peace, like take a bath before bed if I haven't like gotten my to-do list done that day? You know, like I have to earn it. I have to earn the good things, even the little good things in my life. Allowing feels like receiving gifts of love. Anything good that comes into my life, I can receive it. I can just receive it. Trying feels like working toward expectations, sometimes my own expectations, sometimes other people's expectations, or what I want. I want this, I'm going for it. Allowing feels like open hands. Taking what is and letting things go if I need to let them go. Trying feels like continually making and updating plans. Maybe this is just my perfectionist self, but I can find half my day in my mind, like, well, it would be, it'd be better if I did it this way, and I know we had the plan this way, but it would be more efficient if we rearranged it, and da 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 all, all that stuff. Allowing feels like just making plans when I need to make plans, and not feeling like I have to continually update and perfect all of the plans. Trying feels like I have to figure this out. If I don't push my mind and my thought and my effort to figure this out, it's not going to happen. Allowing is God already has this and he will show me. Trying feels like I am the safety net. Not just for myself, but for my children, my family, my church. I have to make sure the backup plans, the safety nets are in place so that everybody's okay. Allowing feels like I am always safe with Jesus. My children are safe. My family is safe. My church is safe. Trying 
feels like pressure. Allowing feels like grace and trust. Trying feels like being driven. Allowing feels like being drawn or invited into God's embrace. I think the bottom line is that this is a stance in life. It's a posture. Melody's talked about postures of our hearts and souls. That allowing is a posture. It is purposely shedding our ego and our own desires and choosing to trust whether things in life right now look like we want them to or not. It's about abiding in Jesus and approaching the world with him and through him. So I have been on this journey for a while and a lot of days I wake up and tell myself, stop trying, start allowing. And I have experienced days and sometimes even weeks on the allowing side of feeling like I am letting God control my life and letting him power me, letting him flow through me, letting him show me and taking the pressure off myself to do all of that. And it is, it's amazing. It is a beautiful, peaceful, blessed experience. And I can testify to that. But I will also tell you this. It is still so easy, and in fact, I would say it is probably still my default to flip back into trying, to want to take back that control. And I asked myself as I was preparing this lesson, why? Why do I still default to trying when I know the literal divinity of the experience of allowing? And I think, I mean, I think there's a couple things. I think one, it's just humanity and living in the world and distractions. But I think the other thing is fear. It's fear. To go back to our key verse again, but now, O oh Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay and you are the potter. I think sometimes I'm afraid of being the clay. I'm not sure I want to be the clay. What if God makes me into something I don't want to be? What if his plan is for me to be a cup, but I've always wanted to be a vase? What if I'm not happy as a cup? What if I'm not fulfilled as a cup? Or here's another really hard one. What if I look over and on the potter's wheel that is my child. It looks like God is molding my child into a plate. Maybe it's a very lovely plate, but I don't want my child to be a plate. I want my child to be a masterpiece of sculpture that's displayed in a museum somewhere. So I start trying again. I resist that reality 
and I try to take back that control in my heart and mind. Maybe if I take back that intensity and that thought and all of that programming of if I just work really hard and think really hard and do a lot of things and use my intelligence, I can figure it out and I can make it what I want to be, what feels to me like is the best it can be. But that doesn't work. It doesn't work because I'm not God and I can't see the whole picture and I don't know what is truly best for me, for my family, for my church, and for my world. And so I am so much happier. I am so much happier and so much more peaceful and so much more fulfilled and so much more, I feel so much more love and joy in my life when I just trust, when I just trust and let God be the potter and let me be the clay. When I stop trying and start allowing God to do what God does. Okay, so the band can come back up and I wanna put back up the chart of trying and allowing. And while the band is coming back up, I wanna invite you to look at that side of the chart for the allowing. Look at it. And think about something that you could do this week. A shift in your thinking, a shift in a habit, a shift in a posture, something you could write down and look at that would help you move a little bit from trying to allowing. What could you do to allow God to do more of the work in your life? And as you think about making that little shift from trying to allowing, how does that feel? How does it feel in your heart and in your mind to start thinking about letting some things go and letting God be God and letting him power and embrace you as you go about your week. But now, O oh Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay and you are our potter. We are all the work of your hands. Father, I pray that you will be with every heart and every soul in this room today. That Lord, we will in some way, even if it's just very small, learn what it means to stop trying so hard because all of the really important, all of the really powerful work is your work, Father. And it is just our job to allow you to do it. You don't force it on us. You don't make us be the clay. 
and sit on the wheel. Father, you invite us. So, Father, help us to relax into you and accept that invitation. To learn what it is to live in your molding, which leads us to your love. It's in your son's Jesus' name that we pray.